It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'd also like to remind you that if you have missed one of our interviews or conversations, you can also go to your uh, favorite podcast streaming site and listen on there. And uh, you can catch us also on our elementfm.ca website as well. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome my guest to the show, Ms. Carolyn King. Carolyn King is someone that I've known for quite a long time, and it's a real pleasure to have her on the show. And we've had her on the show before, in fact. But right now, it's especially uh, nice to have her here because she has been uh, as a recipient of the Order of Canada. And I cannot tell you how excited and how happy I was for her when I heard about this because, as I say, I've known Carolyn a long time. Uh, 30 years or so. At about. least, yeah. And uh, going back to uh, when I worked at uh, the radio uh, station on Six Nations, I think that's where we first met. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, then I've worked with her with the Mississaugas, her community, and uh, over the years, wow, with the powwow committee, uh, and, you know, we've just, we've just been in touch for so long, yeah. and, and it's so, Carolyn, when I heard about this, I was so excited for you, and I'm so happy, so congratulations on the Order of Canada. Oh, well, Jimmy Grish, big thank you, and uh, that's uh, it's been uh, pretty amazing, mm. you know, I was surprised, and uh, that's so, uh, it's just... Um, pretty humbling to mm. think that somebody you know recognize your activity and, mm. you know not always work volunteer mm. lots of volunteer over all those years and to uh, nominate yeah. me for this uh, you know honor yeah so the 2020 order of canada for carolyn king now when she says um activity um her activities are numerous and, and yes. that goes back to what i was just saying you know when i met carolyn it was at the radio station on six nations and she's been involved and i think one of the original people that started the radio station on six yep. nations a community station that uh, that is there for the communities of six nations and mississauga of the credit now the mississaugas of the credit used to be called the Mississaugas of the New Credit, and they changed their name. We might be able to talk about that a little bit, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, Carolyn's activities with the radio station, and she's still involved with the radio station. Yeah. She is back there as working the as the yeah. president of the board. And um, she's also been involved, like I said, with the, the Powwow uh, Cultural Committee uh, at the Mississaugas yeah. uh, community, and she's been involved with that for how long, Carolyn? Uh, well, our first powwow was uh, 1987. Mm. So that was part of uh, bringing some culture back into the community. And that uh, um, we started with just, maybe we should have a powwow this year. <laughs> and we did. Right. You know, and, and so that's one of the things. But then you got busy with other things after that. Like I'm thinking of, you, you and I don't know if you still have this, this course. You, I guess I'll call it a course because you called it... Uh, Indian 101 or something Indian like that? Indian 101. Yeah. yeah. And that you took out on the road and you went to teach people no. and, and uh, introduce people, to, I guess, to... Was it just about the Mississaugas? Or no. Was it? it was about uh, Indigenous people in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and I, I 
did call it. I mean, I still call it that. Mm. It's my subtitle now. I call it Indigenous 101 because mm. it's the poli- politically <laughs> correct course, way to say course. it. And that's so. Uh, and I call my presentation uh, chapter and verse of the law. Mm. And I talk about the uh, you know the First Nations people, uh, the land, the treaties, mm. and all the legislation that goes around that mm. of. Uh, Maintaining things for us, but also taking away so much, and we do the history. And um, so, in my role as the community economic development person for the Mississaugas of the Credit, mm. uh, I was always talking about it, mm. you know, and, and having to explain people why it's different mm. working f- for a First Nation or having, you know, if you look to do business on a on an Indian reserve, that um, it's. There's some different things that you need to know about. So that became my role. And really, when I think about it, I guess a lot of the things I do is all about communications. Mm. You know, I do mm. the library, do the power, do the radio station, do other volunteer things mm. that, as I say, they needed to get done. Mm. And somebody needs to step in and help make it happen. All right. And I just want to let everyone know that uh, in honor of Carolyn, um, I I actually came out to Six Nations. Now, Mississauga of the Credit is right next door to the Six Nations community, and I happen to have a studio on Six Nations. So uh, to make it easier for Carolyn, uh, I came out to Six Nations. So we're actually doing the interview on Six Nations today. And... You know, so that's just some of the things that Carolyn has been involved with and continues to be involved with. Uh, the other big thing that she has worked on and continues to work on, and it really, uh, I guess, has taken on, and, and I think that it also started to create interest and for other people to sort of take off and do similar things, and that is the moccasin identifier. You, you started this idea of of how do we want to be identified, how do you identify indigenous people? What's the one thing that, that's yeah. all in common? And, and you looked at sh- footwear. Yeah, well, you know, I, that started when I was working for for my First Nation there, Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And it might uh, clarify, you know, I was born and raised on Six Nations. Mm. My grandmother's from the Mississaugas, so mm. I have a, a strong bloodline in mm. those places. And just a correction there, the radio station started over at New Credit right. in the back of the old council house <laughs> when we were in our experimental stage. In the back of the council house? I uh, thought it was in the back of a car. No, no. well, <laughs> the, the machines was. <laughs> yeah. And so it was in the back of the old council house. Mm. Up, the council gave us right. permission to start things there, me and right. Brian Johnson. And uh, so at any rate, that's... Uh, you know, then we moved over here mm. uh, uh, at behind TNT. I think was our first oh, move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that. Uh, so I've been involved with a lot of, uh, well, communicating the mm. information, mm. but also the mechanisms. Right. You know, whether it's radio, whether it's a library and books, and you know, access to the internet, but also going out and bring, doing presentations uh, to explain. And it's all about. Um, community development, business development. And so when I was at uh, one of the roles that I got hired for at the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation was in the duty to consult and accommodate office mm-hmm. under Margaret Salt. Yes. And that we had, um, we were doing a, a uh, mapping project, mm-hmm. or I should say they were a mapping project for um, recognizing significant sites. And so that's what we were working on. And I call it the digital dot. Hmm. The moccasin identifier came out of that work. We we were doing research and identifying sites that we would like to educate people about, like using your phone, your smartphone, and that you'd go uh, 
down the street and that you would say, oh, there's there's a site here that I, I might be interested in. So the digital dot was the driver behind or the catalyst behind the moccasin identifier. And at one of the the uh, three-day historical gathering, uh, I was presenting and the um, people in the audience uh, asked the question, seniors uh, said, so if I went to that site, what will I see? Hmm. And what if I don't have a phone, let alone a smartphone? And so I said, well, probably nothing. It's been dug up, Mm. paved over, built Mm. over. You know, Mm. maybe you'll see a a field, a parking lot, a golf course, a Mm. school, whatever. Mm. All of our sites have been covered over. And so they said, well, maybe you should consider a plaquing. Mm. And so I said, okay, we'll talk about that. So that discussion happened afterwards. And this was the Friday Mm. of the three-day gathering, the last day. And so we talked about it and said, yeah, that'd be a good idea. And so they said, come up with a, you need a symbol. If you're going to do a plaque, you need a symbol that's going to represent. And we're saying, okay. And first of all, we thought an eagle feather. And I said, no, that that is too sacred to us. Mm. The indigenous people, the eagle feather. And I'll say, you know, I just received the Order of Canada, but uh, many times in my presentation, I talk about my eagle feather that I received from the community in recognition of of my work and in ceremony at Mm -hmm. the Pawa. That um, I... uh, Say this too sacred to us, and it, if you don't understand how important it is to us as Indigenous people, you just think about your Order of Canada. So mm. now I have mm. both <laughs> on both sides. So that's that's very very uh, honoring, right. and that. Uh, so I, I said, no, can't do the eagle eagle and have it on the ground and people not understand, uh, or eagle feather. Uh, and then they said, well, maybe the dotums, the deer, the, mm. you know, the clan, mm. the mm. clan system. And I said, it's the same thing. Those things are important to us and actually represent our, you know, existence within the traditional system. And so they said, well, we better come up with something. Mm. You got to think about what, what would be the symbol then. Mm-hmm. And by next week. <laughs> By next Friday, we got a meeting with the government. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I went back to my office at New Credit there, and that uh, I uh, wrote on the board, on my whiteboard, and I wrote, what will identify us and connect us to the ground, to the land? Mm. And I said, it shouldn't have taken me three days. But I went in there and read it every morning and said, what is it? Mm. And on the third day, I said, it's our footwear. <laughs> And the idea was born. Right. So that's how I call myself the creator and founder of the Moccasin Identifier. Yeah. And we went and met with the bat. The next step was the Bata Shoe. Yep. Because uh, they have a huge indigenous collection. If people haven't been there, they should certainly meet, go there. They have an amazing collection. And uh, sometimes they put on different exhibits. Well, uh, different exhibits uh, all ongoing there, supporting the indigenous. Mm. Uh, so I had the opportunity to... to be in the vaults right i've seen all that right. and it's just amazing you know. yeah i remember you telling me about that and and, yeah. that, and how amazed you were and, and yeah what they have yeah i say that there's few things in this world that take my breath away mm. and stop me from talking <laughs> it was going into those vaults you know it's um and uh, it wasn't the odor from the shoes that, <laughs> that took no. your breath away. <laughs> yeah well it's leather right it's smoked mm. and it is somebody's footwear yeah so it has a smell. I sure. can smell it now. Sure. Yeah. And so it took, I went in there and I just went, <gasps> mm. just 
stopped. Yeah. You just got to like be part of it. Right. You know, when you first see it, amazing collection. Yeah. Uh, and a great support of the right. indigenous people around the world. Right. Now, Carolyn, the other thing that we didn't mention yet about your achievements and what you have done is that you are also the first woman chief of the Mississaugas as yes. well. So. Yeah, I was an employee. I started as an employee of the First Nations in 1980 in the Economic Development Program. Mm. Uh, and so I always kind of stayed in economic development. Mm. And that I worked there for 14 and a half years and left uh, to go work at AIAI oh, yeah. uh, as the Economic Development Coordinator for a program there. And then I went to uh, uh, election a few things were happening in the community, and uh, and I've been part of doing the community planning and supporting projects and, you know, all kinds of projects that we help build the community. And that uh, you know, when you're doing community development, it's just everything, hmm. whatever needs to be done. And I was part of the planning process. So in the uh, 80s there... Uh, the Department of Indian Affairs, as it was known, uh, promoted comprehensive community planning. And the Mississaugas of the Credit took it up. And we did, uh, you know, all the, all the studies, all the assessments, and then we uh, developed a, a plan uh, for our community, land use rules and regulations, all of that. It was all part of that process. And I learned a lot about, you know, community mm. development, mm. community planning, and that uh, it has helped us move forward. Uh, the The comprehensive community plan became the foundation mm. for all of our our next activities, mm. and bringing back culture was one of them. Mm. You know, that's the the library came in mm-hmm. uh, into play because of that. The cultural committee right. uh, having the power of bringing elements back into the community because mm. we had been away so long from from the culture and traditions. Mm. Uh, the Mississaugas moved from the the um, Toronto area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eighteen credit four, river. the credit, credit river, yeah. uh, eighteen forty seven, and that we moved as a uh, our group moved as a Christianized group, mm. so they left a lot behind, and that so it's been a long time getting that back. So I like to think that um, activities that I did and promoted helped bring bring that back. And we're starting. We have language. We have activities. We have the power, and it would have been its thirty fourth year yeah. Uh, yeah. this year. And it's just a start. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, we're still dealing with all the influence. Right. Now, the other thing you mentioned a couple of times there, and I'm not sure exactly because of your, I know your involvement with the, the cultural committee for the powwow, but the three-day historical gathering is another event that has been going on for over 10 years. Yes. And uh, I know you're always there, but I'm not sure of your involvement with it. I know you're either speaking or you're making presentations. Uh, what is your involvement with that? Oh, I sit on the committee with Margaret. Oh, okay. Yeah, we sit on the planning committee and mm. ideas, and we invite people to come in and we, yeah. you know we plan and strategize about who to come in and speak and we kind of develop a theme or yeah. what's happening and so and that event of course three days and you have some fabulous speakers mm-hmm. that you bring in and, and talk about a lot about the Mississaugas but you also talk about other nations and and you invite mm-hmm. other people from other nations to come in and, and make presentations yeah. as well and it's always a really interesting three-day event that you yeah. document for the community do you know, are there many other First Nations doing that kind of thing? Well, we found that there there are others. Yeah. You know, they, uh, all of us, uh, you know, being an employee and doing community development, and mm. as I call it, building the nation, mm-hmm. that uh, um, we, we attended other people's things, you mm-hmm. know, and saying, well, we should do this. Right. And there was the drive to 
to bring our history uh, out. Right. And that uh, the historical gathering is all about gathering up our history. And the idea there is to bring that information uh, to a public venue, record it, uh, document it, and to um, anyone who who has written something about us. So it's kind of a very academic type of uh, venue. Mm. Uh, so anybody's written about us, you know, uh, done their research papers on us, uh, who have information uh, that our community would need, like the traditional information, mm. and uh, promoting us as Anishinaabe people. Mm. So bringing that in. And then, you know, there's lots, there's lots of non-Native people who, who have information that helps us understand, you know, our, our own life and our own history, too. So it's... Um, it's a great, great little venue. Mm. I was just watching one the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's, so I was like, I need to listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and thank you for being a part of all of that. Oh, these it's a years. pleasure. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure to, to have yeah. been, been that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, it supposedly would be coming up this year. What's going to be happening now under the COVID rules and things? Well, I think we're still shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just managed to get in in this past mm-hmm. year, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so this coming year, uh, with what's happening now in Ontario, well, across the country, across the world, yeah. that uh, the restrictions and we're not sure. Uh, what I haven't right. talked to Margaret about what they're doing. They're so occupied with just dealing with mm-hmm. closed down and mm-hmm. how you deliver your service right. in such a restricted uh, way. So you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can also listen to our previous interviews and conversations on your favorite streaming platform. And on our website as well, and that's at uh, elmntfm.ca. My guest is Carolyn King. It is a pleasure to have Carolyn back on the show. She is a member of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. She was the first woman elected chief. She has just received the 2020 Order of Canada recipient, uh, one of the recipients. So it's a pleasure to have her on the show. We started talking about that. I really uh, I want to ask Carolyn to explain a little bit more about her her um, experience of receiving the Order of Canada because she was telling me a little bit about this and I think it's a story, Carolyn, that you should share with people because they have been trying to get a hold of you yeah. and the deadline was coming up and and well, you tell the story, please. Well, the, the phone, um, this is funny, the phone call, uh, I got a message on my phone and that I, uh, um, I seen the phone call, and mm. then then I heard, listened to the message. Just said a person mm. from Rideau Hall, and then that uh, you have a message. Uh, I'll let, so the messaging went on. I, I think it was th- three days, maybe even four, mm. that they were calling. And so then the, the next one was, you know, a little bit more. We really need to speak with you, and so uh, so I know about the Order of Canada. You know that you get nominated and mm. get appointed, mm. and that so uh, then you have to you know vet. Everybody, right. they, have, sure. they check yeah. everybody out, yep. and, and being that you are who you are, and you do what you do. Mm. Uh, anyway, so uh, they were calling me because they wanted me to be. I was named as a reference for somebody else, mm. so I was occupied, mm-hmm. and uh, so and I, I was just like, well, 
better get back to it. And then say on the the Wednesday when I finally talked, I did call back and, mm. and I just left a message and because uh, they didn't connect. Then I saw the email and I'm like, hmm. So I I called and uh, she says, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you. I connected with you. I was getting desperate trying to reach you. And I said, well, I just thought that you were looking for me to recommend on somebody else. She goes, no, it's you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Here, I've just been putting it off, you know. Right. <laughs> trying to get back to it. Yeah. So we had a good conversation about that. Yeah. So when you found out it was actually for you that you yeah. had been nominated, what did you do? How did you, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of laughed. And I'm like, hmm, okay. And, <laughs> And she's asked. She asked you the question. Hmm. Uh, you've been nominated, and you know the governor general has appointed you. And she said, um, "Do you accept?" And I go, "Hmm, I guess." And she goes, "You have to say yes or no." And I go, um, "I guess yes." <laughs> I was still like kind of like in shock and mm. kind of, you know, giggling about it right. and saying, hmm, what yeah. does this mean? Right. So and, I was honored, honored. Yeah. Really. And then she asked you, I think, another question that you, that you still had to answer yes or no to. And you, you were. Th- oh, yeah. But whether you're going to be, uh, you know, whether you accept uh, media, oh, uh, that the people talk to you. And right, right. All those kinds of things. <laughs> you have to fill out a, a survey. Oh, you yeah. have to give legitimate right. uh, market right. and sign it, mm. things like that. So there's a bit of process there. Yeah. And so, and agreeing to do that, that, you know, I've, I've been, you know, just since the announcement mm. and before, because the media gets it beforehand, I've been able to, you know, do announcements yes. uh, or interviews and yes. uh, stories are being done. I'm still right in the middle of it yet. Mm. And I said, I need a press secretary to handle all this <laughs> stuff, you know. And right. it's just great that you get, you know, I got emails from um, people or calls, mm. uh, mainly emails mm. from Switzerland, England, New Zealand, people who over mm. time, a student who I talked to yeah. and worked with, right. uh, f- uh, the French group, uh, mm. uh Danielle is in Switzerland now, and Clara's in England, and so people are getting emails from around the the world <laughs> from old friends and said, and uh, uh, I um, and said I was a student in one of your speeches in Kingston. I remember you. <laughs> so, wow. So yeah, so that's pretty uh, you know overwhelming that you know you had such a yeah you know and and wonderful remarks like Carolyn, you've changed my life. Yeah. You know, things like yeah, that, that's yeah. just, or, or that you don't realize how much you influenced me. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, if that's, you know, what the role is, then, you know, I think you've managed to do that. And I'm still optimistic that we're going to change the world. Mm. You know, and I think the, you know, when we go back to the moccasin identifier, it became a stenciling project that it is today. Yes. And the idea there is still based on education and awareness for First Nations mm. and mainly the treaty, the mm. First Nations who have treaties, and that uh, you know, that the idea is to get it into the school system and that the uh, students would be edu- use some, the teachers would have lessons plans to mm-hmm. go by mm-hmm. which are now on the website, the moccasinidentifier.com website free lesson plans, 1 right. to 8 right. uh, in Ontario, mm-hmm. and that uh, they will research whose land their school is built on, yeah. near, or what treaty land they're in, and that information is in the lessons. Right. And then they take one of the four stencils that we have developed yes. with the help of artist and researcher uh, Philip Cote. Yes. And that uh, 
they go out under the under the on paper if it's a rainy day or outside under the sidewalk mm. and stencil mm. one of the four onto the ground. Well, we let them use any of them, right. uh, even though the Cree are not land based here. Right. Um, but it's just an amazing little project. Yeah, and we're starting over to educate and make aware the mm. kids, mm. and hopefully that is going to change right. the perspective that. You know the yeah. people have as they grow up, so it's been. Um, and so people say, "How does it work? Right? Do you think it works?" Right. And I said, "I really think it does. Mm. I believe in it, mm. and that uh, I've seen when people have been stenciling, mm-hmm. and we you know, the, the children, mm-hmm. um, they stencil, and it's just it with wash away paint, yeah, and it will go away, and they do it again next year. So mm. it's ongoing, ongoing, mm-hmm. and that uh, <laughs> this." Uh, when when they stencil and then they lift it up yeah. and they see what they produced, the awe, and they just you know like sort of mm. takes their breath away. I've mm. seen that mm. in not only children but adults too. Mm. When they lift it up and they see mm. that amazing stencil, mm. I think we're going to change the world. And I said, uh, my I have a dream too that. Uh, Ontario is going to be covered with moccasin identifiers within the next decade, mm. and they'll forever know whose land they're on. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, and uh, Carolyn, you know the other thing that you mentioned there earlier, uh, briefly, you, you mentioned it, and that was the role that you play. And you know, you you are now in the position from the comments you heard from people, you know, coming back to you, you're now a, a role model for people. Yeah. What does that oh, say darn. to you? <laughs> <laughs> Got to be good now. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's uh, you know sometimes you don't realize what what you're doing and how you're impacting people, and uh, hopefully that it's all been for the good mm. uh, for uh, Indigenous people across the mm. the country, mm. and that uh, so I've always been an advocate for you know here, here, us in Southern Ontario, mm. uh, Six Nations, New Credit, and surrounded by the most populated area of the country you know that we get lost in all of that so yeah, yeah. how important it's been to to keep educating right. and explaining to people uh, about who we are uh, where we are what we are and why and so that i think just is the basis of how we change people's thoughts about you know how we, our relationships go mm. and yeah we're still in the middle of conflict in uh, a lot of places including right here yeah uh, Carolyn, as you reflect back on, you know, the things that you've accomplished and the comments that you've heard, what comes to mind? What do you think about in terms of uh, of what the major points are that you think that you've been able to stick in people's minds? Well, well for, I always say that we were there. Mm. When the settlement started in North America, and we as First Nations Indigenous people are still here, mm. and people need to realize that, and we come with a lot of history, the basis of this country, and that uh, we're legislated people, and we have a role to play in the the future of this country. Mm. And I think if we're going to help that and uh, make people realize that we're we're a part of this country and the original part of it and that we should have a place um, beside it. So we get into governance issues, constitutional issues. You know, it's just, um, I think that we should have a new constitution mm. that includes uh, mm. the First Nations. Yeah. 
Well, it certainly sounds like your work is not done by any means. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's sounding like that. You know, congratulations to you, Carolyn, once again. I, I, as I say, I'm so happy for you on receiving the Order of Canada and for all the achievements and, and all the things that you've done to, to help uh, promote Indigenous people to the non-Indigenous population uh, of this country and, and around Ontario. And, you know, it, it's so great. And you've been so active. And, and that's why I think it's, uh, it's really wonderful that you've been recognized for, for all the work that you do. And I also want to say that on a, on a personal front, you know, I know that, that uh, your husband, Fred is, is dealing with some issues, and I know you have that on your plate as well. And we want to wish Fred all the best, yep. and uh, our thoughts go out to him. Uh, but also, you know, our thoughts go to you. And, and you know, don't forget that uh, we're here to help. So if there's anything we can do here at Element FM to yep. help you uh, uh, get that word out and promote things, uh, please remember uh, that we're here and, and we're happy to do so. Okay. Shimigwish. Thank you very much, yeah. David. Shimigwish. And that is the voice of Carolyn King. She's my guest here on Moment of Truth. She is one of the new recipients of the 2020 Order of Canada. First woman chief at the Mississaugas of the Credit. She is also the organizer of the Moccasin Identifier, as we said. She's involved with the CKRZ radio station on Six Nations. Oh, boy, she is, she's got her hands <laughs> full with so many things. And it's always a pleasure to speak with Carolyn. And uh, again, we we want to thank you for listening to the station each and every day and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show someone I've been trying to get on the air for a while. I've been thinking about her and the Woodland Cultural Center. She is the executive director there. The Woodland Cultural Center is located in Brantford, but it's on Six Nations territory. We can get into that a little bit. But the Woodland Cultural Center is the old residential school, the Mohawk Institute. Janice, as the executive director, but a little bit more about you. You are, of course, from Six Nations. I am. And you're, you're Mohawk and Turtle Clan. I am. You were the executive director prior from 2003 to 2017. And then you moved on and you did a few other things that took you into the Toronto area. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Six Nations. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, that's right. Because you worked with... Yeah, I worked at Six Nations Tourism. Yeah. Yep. And also the... Development Corporation. Yes, thank you. The Six Nations Economic Development Corporation. And so yes. you've come full circle, but not without, <laughs> not without adding a whole lot of experience in there that you bring back to the center. And one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about was, of course, the, the virtual tour that you have coming up on the 20th of January uh, for people to go and... Uh, well, you can tell us about this virtual tour and how people can register for it and what people are going to see. Of course, I'm very familiar with the Woodland Centre, having, having had a business in there for a number of years. And of course, the business in the building is under restoration. So uh, Janice, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Nalagoa. Um, yeah, so the Woodland Cultural Centre, as you stated, is part of, you know, 
the buildings that used to be the former Mohawk Institute residential mm. school. And so we started a fun fundraising campaign back in 2013, actually, and we called it save the evidence. Mm. And the whole point behind it was to save and restore the dormitory yes. of the residential school. And if you come to our site, you know, you can't miss it. If you drive up the long driveway and you see this massive brick building. Mm. And that was the residential schools where the children would stay uh, during their time attending and it wasn't, you know, desperate need of repairs. And so we went out to the community, did several community consultations and, you know, overwhelmingly support to to save the building. So uh, that sort of kickstarted our fundraising campaign. So, so far we've raised uh, $12 million um, to restore the roof and some other infrastructure pieces of the building, um, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, that's all been done. We still have about another <laughs> 11 0.5 million to raise uh so that you know i'm back to sort of try to finish off this fundraising campaign um and our our end goal is to have the building still part of the woodland cultural center i don't want to lose you know our mandate behind you know preserving presenting our beautiful language and culture of the haudenosaunee people but um, part of it will be turned into a heritage uh, interpretive site where visitors can take a guided tour of the buildings when we hope to reopen in uh, a couple more years. That's impressive that you've raised like $12 million. Yeah. However, they still need another $11 million for saving the evidence. And of course, I'm very familiar with the, the state of the building. Uh, as yeah. you know, Janice, uh, when I was in there, there were times when we would have to run up to the language department because the roof was leaking. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that it probably didn't cave in just because of how, how old the building was and how well it yeah. was built. But I know that we had to put buckets down and eventually, <laughs> eventually got so bad that the water would would come in through the their floor and run into my area on the, in a middle floor. So, yeah, it it was bad. But I th- the roof has been completed now, has it? Or yes, yeah, right. it's completely it's completely finished and it's now nice and safe structurally. The building's very sound and waterproof now, so it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, it is restored. Yeah, um, but we're not turning the whole building back into like a, sort okay. of a museum, yes. right? Um, because um, I still need space uh, for our uh, cultural programming. Right. And yes. we can't all fit over in the museum building because that's the museum and galleries. So part of it will still house our uh, reference library, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So the reference library is still in the space that we are still mm. moving, but it's it's back into the first floor and mm. um, the language department will move back to the second floor. OK. And will it be above the language area or above the library? Which nope, end? it'll be on the boys' dormitory side okay. of, of the building. So it's people will still be able to walk through the space and still see what we're doing today. And that's the goal, is for people to see that, you know, yes, there was this very dark chapter of history, but I want people to see our resilience of our people. So mm. they'll, you know, the guide tour will actually take them through the language department, seeing mm. our people practicing and, and speaking our languages. Mm. Yeah. So so the tour, as you say, this virtual tour that people can get to see, is it going to show them uh, sort of what it looked like prior to the. Yes. OK. Yeah. It's it, the virtual tour itself is uh, it's about 45 minutes in length and it takes the visitors um Following a, uh, one of our cultural interpreter guides, Lori Gallant, mm. she takes them through the former school um, and she gives the history of the institution over its 140 years. And viewers will get to see, you know, different rooms in the school from the girls and boys dormitories, the cafeteria, laundry room and other rooms throughout the building and hear interviews 
firsthand from uh, five survivors of mm. the Mohawk Institute. Right. And uh, we may have per- uh, piqued per- people's interest at this point. How can people register to take part in this? Yeah. So if you go to our website, woodlandculturaldebtcenter.ca, yep. uh, you can go in and, and go to our virtual tour um, and, and our events and you can sign up um, and get tickets. Okay. And as far as I know, it's it's almost full, if not Ooh. full. Um, it wow. gets very close to getting full very, very fast. But that's not to say you can't still register. Yeah. Um, we also encourage people if they want to do a private, you know, tour for maybe people in their household or mm. maybe some friends and family and they want to invite them all. You can still book that and you can go to tours at woodlandculturalcenter.ca and they can also set up a private tour as well. Uh, the virtual tours tickets are $10 uh, and all of the revenue we receive goes towards our Save the Evidence fundraising campaign. And it's always held the third Wednesday of every month okay. um, to the public. And our next one is February 17th at 7 p.m. Great. So if they miss it this time, they can always see it again later. Yeah, and absolutely. And if you, you know, and if you want to do a private screening as well, we encourage that. And uh, you can email us to, uh, to set that up as well. Mm. Great. We'll repeat that later on. But uh, Janice, let's talk a little bit more about the center. You mentioned the, the library, but you also mentioned mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the museum. And uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people know that, that it's not just the main building that you were referring to, uh, where the dorms are and the, the kids lived uh, for their time at the residential school. There's the, there's the other part, the museum part, uh, and yeah. the art gallery. Yes. Yeah. So our, uh, it still actually was originally uh, the school classroom building and gymnasium for mm. the students who attended the school. And we've done major retrofitting to to that building. Right. So we added on over the years, but we have a permanent museum uh, exhibition that people can learn the history from 200 years ago up to present day. It's a, a timeline storyline. People understand, you know, where we came from, you know, our culture. And you can see this through artifacts that we have on display and narratives, you know, weave in throughout the, throughout the museum and our galleries. We have three temporary uh, exhibition galleries, uh, usually art based. So this uh, right now, if we weren't in lockdown, we would be open Um, So uh, right now we currently have Witness Blanket, which is a traveling exhibition from the Canadian Museum of Human Rights. Um, And Carrie Newman was the artist uh, of the original Witness Blanket, which is based upon, you know, his experience through his family of residential school. And it was a number of uh, survivors bringing their own um, personal uh, contribution and their own, I don't want to say artifacts, but, you know, their own piece to the, create this this blanket mm. um it's all made out of wood cedar actually that he carved uh but the one we have on display right now is just a replica because the, the original is actually in conservation right now at the Canadian museum of human rights mm. uh so witness blanket was originally to be it did open virtually we had carrie and and um, uh, members from the Canadian museum of human rights on and we did a great you know, virtual exhibition opening in December mm-hmm. and then the lockdown happened. So right. the blanket is still on display. It'll be with us till the end of March. So hopefully we'll be able to get out of lockdown and visitors can actually come and physically see this amazing exhibition. Yeah. But we are posting, you know, teacher resources, check our social media um, so that visitors can see glimpses of the exhibition and also resources um, tied to it. And the importance of that residential school history is intertwined in, into that. Um, and we also do a lot of number of things uh, tied to uh, language and culture. So we also, you know, we do words of the day on our social media. 
We uh, post a lot of book resources on our website, what new apps are available for language learning of indigenous languages, what online courses are available. And then we also do book reviews um, from our library. So our, our librarian uh, will do a number of books and review them and, and share resources that we have in our library and also mm. those that people can, can also uh, purchase themselves. Yeah. Is that Verve still operating the library? Uh, no, we have a new one. Oh. Uh, Verve retired. Uh, okay. So Jane Hill's a community member here from Six Nations and she's our new librarian. And she's been fantastic trying to, you know, get the library back and organized because obviously it was put in boxes yeah. for a few years. Uh, so, yeah, it's now uh, it's not open to the public yet, obviously. Um, but uh, we hope to open that in the next year. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting. You know, we're still we're still shifting a lot of our programming to online or virtual mm-hmm. uh, for format because of obviously the pandemic but we're still trying to interact and engage with our audiences and you know we constantly send out e-newsletters and yes. you know always updating our social media you you mentioned social media and uh, why don't you let people know uh obviously we're talking about twitter and, and facebook etc um mm-hmm. what are those handles that people can reach you at yeah they're all at, at woodland cultural center um so you just type in woodland cultural yeah. center and you'll yeah. see us pop Great. up Great. And, you know, you know, I guess, the, as you say, we're in lockdown, so there's been, yeah. there, that's affecting everything. But I guess on the plus side, um, that is kind of beneficial, at least in terms of the kind of work that you're trying to get done at the center. Yeah, our reach has been phenomenal. I mean, when we had our virtual exhibition opening for Witness Blake in December, we had over 100 people register and participate. Mm. Uh, That's phenomenal. If we had done it in person, you know, our average numbers were around 40 to Mm. 50 people who would Mm. come on site, right? Now we're attracting people from all over the world, you know, to see our work, which is really fantastic. And, you know, a lot of people from across, specifically across um, Turtle Island, who are really interested in what's, you know, what's happening in Indigenous education or Indigenous arts. So, so it was really, really, it's been, it's sort of, you know, you can't really replace the in-person experience. No. That's probably yeah. one of the hardest things to do, yeah. Yeah. but the reach we've been able to have doing things virtual, you know, we've done virtual, you know, book readings. We do a film series um, by, by monthly. So our mm-hmm. next one's the third Sunday in February where we do indigenous films. Uh, these are all things that, you know, people who would normally come to our site physically you know, it now opens up to a whole new audience, people who would not normally be able to come to our site. Mm. Um, so th- they are experiencing that. And we are looking at offering uh, more virtual programming. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's been, you know, it's been an interesting year and a lot of learning, but uh, we're trying to embrace it as best we can, both, mm. you know, doing a hybrid of in-person events mm-hmm. and online events. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest is Janice Montour. She is the Executive Director of the Woodland Cultural Centre in Brantford, Ontario. That is the former Mohawk Institute or Residential School and it, it was turned given back to the community oh geez in the 70s Janice was it yeah 1970 yeah and uh, and and it it was and, and, the, and the land itself is is also part of now the Six Nations territory that's correct yes and it, you you mentioned a couple of things one you mentioned this virtual tour that people can go online at the woodlands uh, the woodland uh, cultural center.ca to find out about registering but but it may almost be full as you said for yeah. the 20th <laughs> however uh they can register and it will come up i think you said on the third wednesday of each month 
Yeah, third Wednesday of every month. Great. Now, we've talked about the library a bit. We've talked about the art gallery, which is, uh, as you say, in lockdown. Um, and we, we've talked about the the building itself where the, the kids stayed in the dorms and, and that building, which is under restoration, and the uh, the Save the Evidence campaign that you are underway trying to raise money for. And, and wow, I, it's, it's amazing that you have, uh, as, I, as you say, raised $12 million, but still need another $11 million to complete this. So I guess we're, we're still in a number of years away before that gets all restored to the way you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Still, you know, our goal, I mean, in an ideal world, we would be entering our uh, 50th and uh, 50th year of operations in 2022. Mm. So our original goal was to hopefully reopen the mm. residential school um, in our 50th anniversary. Unfortunately, with COVID and, you know, obviously it took a hit to our fundraising mm. uh, goals. Um, we've had to push it. So, you know, our goal, you know, still, you know, about two to three years out. Um unless we get, you know, an amazing donor (laughs) or, you know, a huge government grant, uh, we will still be, you know, trying to fundraise that the remaining 11 million, Mm -hmm. but it's been really, you know, it's, it's, it really warmed my heart. I have to say, you know, we weren't really pushing the fundraising during the first bit of the lockdown originally Mm -hmm. back in March. I can't believe it's almost been a year. Um, and we, we weren't really pushing it. And then the, Canada Helps has has a great Canadian giving challenge in June. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll participate in this, mm. this campaign and see what happens. Because we were really unsure what was going to happen. We didn't really want to push um, our fundraising campaign because there was a lot of other needs going on right. in, in our community. Sure. So when we did it, we we set out a goal of raising 20000 and we surpassed it. We hit 35000 in one month and <laughs> we were blown away. And I couldn't, I was so, uh, so grateful for mm. the outpouring of support we had and for people willing to donate at such a difficult time. Mm. So it was really for us, it was like, okay, people still really believe in, in what we're trying to do and mm. really want to help us reach our goal. So it's been a really, it's been a different year, but it's also been really, it shows us, you know, the strength of people and, and really the goodwill of people. And it was really, you know, sort of helped us kind of, okay, we can still try and get the word mm. out about fundraising. Well, that's nice to hear. That's great. It's very nice to hear that the support is still there. And, you know, you you pointed out how, I guess, going to the future, along with yourself and other businesses and organizations and and maybe not-for-profits and, you know, that are are out there, I guess business is going to look a little different once we come out of this, right? Because, as you pointed out, you're now reaching a, a larger audience than you perhaps could have if things were without the lockdown and without having to to go to this kind of a, a format to do things virtually yeah it's it's definitely making us i think all reevaluate like sort of what what does the future hold and you know what is our um engagement with our audiences it, it did really open up right like we mm. do a lot of our events primarily virtually or online and we've reached a whole new audience we get people from all over the world participate which is really you know, we wouldn't have never seen that normal in a normal, you know, year where everyone had to come to us. So I think it, it really opened up that for us, but it also made us realize that there was a a huge interest in, in the work that we were doing. And we still are really trying to, you know, transition a lot of our programming to an online format or how do we engage with people in new ways. And we do, we still hear it from a lot of community members who will say it's not quite the same, you know, <laughs> sure. like than being on site. Sure. So we've tried, you know, we're trying to look at sort of a hybrid model, especially as we move into 2021. Mm. 
uh, in regards to what programs do we offer on site versus programs that will be just virtual or online or is there is there a, a definite mix of both and that's mm-hmm. sort of what we're looking at from a programming side is right. doing this hybrid a- approach to yeah. ensure that we are meeting the needs of community and audiences right now the other thing Janice that you referred to are the art galleries and the, the temporary ones that, that rotate uh, things you, you mentioned the witness blanket that you have until March I believe yeah, the end of March. Yeah. And then we're doing our next exhibition is a retrospective of Tom Hill. Oh, wow. Uh, Tom Hill was the museum director at the Woodland Cultural Center for over yeah. 20 years. Really uh, a leader in Indigenous art in the country. Yeah. Uh, very well known for his uh, work on the task force of museums and first peoples, which was really a, a, a huge uh, document that really looked at uh Indigenous and, and museums working together. Mm. Um, so we're doing a retrospective of him mostly as a uh, as an artist, actually, and not necessarily as a museum director or curator. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so that will be the next exhibition that will start um, in May and will run until uh, the end of August. Mm. Now, with the library and uh, uh, the library you mentioned, people can, is it a a reference library? It is a reference library. So it's not a public library, so you can't take things out. But uh, we do reach a lot of uh, needs for a lot of uh, post-secondary students who are doing their master's or doctorals Mm -hmm. um, because we specialize specifically in Indigenous research and Indigenous uh, resources. So that's sort of our main our main. audience that mm-hmm. come to us but we also do a lot you know a lot of people come to us a lot regarding the residential school uh resources mm-hmm. and so we've been building that collection over the past several years yeah now the other thing again going back to uh, a sense of normalcy is that you do also have a live event area there uh, back yes. <laughs> so um you you know you mentioned the extensive changes that you've done i know you you revamped that room as well um mm-hmm. and normally what kind of events would would you be holding there throughout the year and I know you'd have numerous ones yeah so we we have a lot of uh, live music events uh, we have a coffee house series where we try to look for up-and-coming new artists um, in acoustic settings we actually did we changed the name of it and we named it unplugged and we actually presented it as a physically social distance concert <laughs> in September uh. and uh, we held it on the uh, porch of the former Mohawk Institute oh, Residential wow, yeah. School. And uh, it was amazing because people got to spread out all over the front of the building and the yeah. lawn and uh, in their circles that we made <laughs> on the crowd. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic event. And uh, really, we try to incorporate that piece of, you know, incorporating more, you know, traditional songwriting um, that you'd hear through social songs of the Haudenosaunee people uh, with, you know, contemporary composers. And it was a fantastic event. And for us, it was really sort of that test of like can we do this Mm. and we never we don't usually utilize our outdoor space and Mm. it really became this new like oh we we have a new space we've just found in our in you know that's what it that's what it made us do right really made us really evaluate and be creative with what Mm. we could do so we do a lot of live music we do dance of course obviously a huge part of our culture so we'll do contemporary and traditional dance uh performances we also do theater um and sometimes we do some multidisciplinary festivals we hosted in past years the own Mm. festival uh which is the original people's festival where we bring artists from all over turtle island um who are haudenosaunee um to share you know dance music theater uh written word um and games of course we do lacrosse and we do smoke dance competitions Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's a it's a fantastic three-day festival 
doubt it'll happen this coming year because of everything. Um, so it'll probably be pushed, but it is, you know, we do host uh, some festivals as well throughout, throughout our year. You know, and the other thing that you guys host, uh, and if the weather permits, of course, in the wintertime, uh, is uh, the, snow, <laughs> the snow snake competition, right? Yeah, yeah. So not this year uh, no. because of a lot of restrictions because a lot of our players come yeah. from the United States That's and obviously right. there's travel restrictions. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we do host the Trisha Winter Game, the snow snake competition where we bring together men and boys to uh throw like a javelin almost Mm -hmm. uh, down a snow ditch track and you know whatever team uh, goes the farthest wins you know the competition Uh, but yeah it's a traditional winter game that you know we've played for many many years but it does depend on snow and the right type of snow and uh, and right now obviously we're not able to do it because a lot of our teams come from the United States well you know I've always thought that that should be an Olympic sport it's such a great (laughs) it really is such a great sport and people don't realize just how complicated it is and, and the team effort that goes into it yeah absolutely you know you have your shiners you have your throwers you you know you have people who specifically are just there to watch where exactly you're hitting and uh yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing um experience and it's very unique to to our people in our game um and i mean obviously lacrosse is a huge part of our community so we'll do some outdoor lacrosse uh, demonstrations as well throughout the year Mm -hmm. and and just spreading the word about lacrosse actually you know there's a huge push to get them into the world right and that's been a huge topic and uh yeah, we're, we're just, you know, honestly just trying to share really our culture with everyone and, and to have people learn and experience it firsthand. Well, well once lacrosse is, is completely uh, inundated throughout the world as, <laughs> yeah. as a sport, an Olympic sport, etc., next it'll be Snow Snake. You watch. It'll yeah. See. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, Janice, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you utilize the front of the Woodland Center, that deck. I've always thought that would be a great spot for, for something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. So, so great. I'm sure you're going to be using it again in the future. Yeah, we've actually, we just did a co-presentation with Gahawi Dance Theater and yeah. she did uh, beautiful imagery through the National Arts Center yes. uh, program and it was called Continuance and she oh. did this 3D mapping yes, all over the all building. Over the building. Was, I saw oh, that. It was stunning and it was, yeah. you know, infused with her contemporary dance practice on the, the grass right in front yep. of the building. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a, so we are looking at, like I said, we really explored our whole piece of property of, mm. uh, and and utilizing because we had we were only allowed to do outdoor yeah. uh, events so yeah we've really pushed really started to push like what we can and what we can do and and how we can still engage our audiences in live you know performances yeah and you've got such a great space there so open so you know you can you can uh, hold a great audience out front like you'd said in front of the building and there's just some great open spaces for people to go and explore and and to visit there so let's hope that uh, people uh, uh you know uh, go online to the woodlandculturalcenter.ca janice we're, we're going to finish up in a couple of minutes and i'm just wondering from your experience and from your time being at the woodland cultural center what is it that you still get questions about that maybe surprise you that, that people are still asking uh, about either the center or about history or, or, or something that, you know, you get more questions about that same thing over and over again that, that you might be surprised about. Oh, I think the, you know, probably one of the ones that I get asked a lot about is um, are people allowed to, to visit? <laughs> Um, visit a lot of people like visit the center oh, or okay. even visit the reserve, right? Ah, they yeah, they yeah. still think you need a special pass to, really? to come into the territory mm. or yeah, that one always surprises me a little. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And people ask like, and sometimes we get people asking us like, Oh, 
why don't you wear your traditional outfits more? You know, so explain to them, you know, and like, sometimes I do, like sometimes I wear my ribbon skirt to work. That's mm. not uncommon. Uh, but yeah, we do get asked those questions. And I think the other one, probably the most prominent when it comes to, you know, they, they always ask us about our language. Yep. Like, do you know how to speak mm. and how well can you speak? And mm. so those are things. And then you kind of go into that larger conversation about why, yes. you know, you do see that preservation work being done in our yeah. languages and why it's so important is yeah. because of, you know, the effects of colonization in mm-hmm. residential schools. Mm-hmm. So we do, we do address that a lot. Um, and I think more people know more about the residential school history now than they did like 10 years ago, for sure, because of the truth and reconciliation calls to action. But I think people are learning and are willing to learn a bit more about the history of the residential school. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wanting to learn more about our history within the broader context of Canadian culture. Janet, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show and share information about the Woodland Cultural Centre and the events going on there and the virtual tour that people can take part in every third Wednesday of the month. And uh, there is one coming up tomorrow on the 20th of January. And people can go online at the woodlandculturalcentre.ca to register and also check out the other events and things that you have going on. Terrific. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. That is Janice Montour. She is the executive director of the Woodland Cultural Center and it's been a pleasure having her on the show. And that is our show for today. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day. I'm your host David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.